0: Hello and welcome to the Level Playing Field podcast with Dr. K and Hemps. We are an experimental hip-hop duo and we've got music coming out soon, but for now we thought we'd be really original and make a podcast. Yes. How are you doing, Dr. K? I'm doing
1: very well. How are you doing, Hemps?
0: I'm good. I think we should just use our real names because it, it feels weird. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, definitely.
0: Rappers are usually all right with it, but yeah, just... I don't know, Snoop Dogg's a bit cooler than...
1: <laughs> I'm just going to call you Hamza.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh so on this podcast we want to talk about music that we like, music that we've never heard before, discuss new albums coming out, yeah, uh yeah, talk yeah. about local artists, hopefully have some guests on. The first segment is Tracks of the Week and this week Run the Jewels released two new tracks. Yeah, we've got we've got
1: Ooh La La and we've got Yankee in the Brave. Essentially, it's a precursor to Run the Jewels full. And I'm 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 going to agree with you on this one, Hamza. It's best singles of 2020 so far. We've got yeah. LP and Killer Mike both on top form. You know, LP on doing his thing on the production. And Killer Mike just coming in with this crazy, crazy, crazy verses. Some of the best rap I've heard.
0: Yeah, chaotic, in your face. I could keep going on with adjectives. Nothing
1: to complain about, man. Like, seriously.
0: And Run The Jewels is kind of sentimental for us because it was our first gig about three or four years ago now. First gig we ever went to with Danny Brown. That was a brilliant gig. Classic, Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've not listened to Run The Jewels, go check them out.
1: They've not released a bad album.
0: The most consistent duo mm. other than the level playing field. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. <goes. laughs> so the next track we're going to talk about is by Scooty. I was turned on to this by Kenny Beats and the song's called Scoo What.
1: Scoo what They're really in love with Scutty But Skutty in love with Lizzie And my bed and my mother like Jizzy. If you want to touch, touch clouds Then you better come
0: so this track's—it's so infectious. The the chorus is so catchy. It's full of wordplay and clever lyricism. She's just so unique, her voice. And mm. I played it for my little sister, and we've been
1: banging it out all week. Just can't get enough. It's really, really good. And shout out to Kenny Beats as well for putting us onto that as well, because he's been doing these these Twitch live streams, and he's just been breaking down his production process, and he's just he's just doing that for hours. And it's something that he doesn't have to do, you know. But he's doing it for the culture.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And he's he's been putting a lot of emphasis on UK music as well. So he's putting us on the map as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: He's he's showing off his Heady 1 tracks and Scooty, like we mentioned, a a lot of UK stuff that he's just hyping up. And I think Americans need to hear it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Love for my love
1: for my- also, just want to say big shout out to my guy LG, who's released a new project this week called Vulture Tape. At LG seventy three on Instagram. And you mixed the song? I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mixed the uh, track nine, Low Entity. Uh, so you know, if you need, if you need any more reason other than the fact it's LG to check it out, go check it out. <laughs> One of the themes we're going to be talking about this week is the 80s revival. So personally I've been saying for a while that I think the sounds of the 80s are going to make a comeback this year and that's been starting to ring true with albums such as the two we're going to look at and even in genres such as rock with Muse's Simulation Theory from 2018. Now I think it's important to clarify that, personally, when I talk about the 80s being the sound of the 2020s, I don't mean the full 80s sound. It just sounds very dated nowadays. So I'm talking more about the instruments and the textures from that era, especially the, the huge classic synth sound, but being reimagined in a modern context.
0: Yeah, it's about taking those classic nostalgic sounds and that aesthetic and yeah, modernising yeah, yeah. it. Uh, there's examples recently like Doja Cat Say So, which uses chorusy guitars and mm. has that sound all the way through.
1: And it, it's all just been blowing up at the moment. Mm. So why, why do you think this is, Hamza?
0: I don't know. I think pop has struggled with its identity for a while. It's been using a lot of trap influences, mm. and it hasn't really worked for a good amount of time. You know, we've had Katy Perry doing trap songs. I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me. I don't know if it appeals to some people. Nah, me neither, man. I think right now... It's looking more positive, and using the '80s aesthetic and modernising it is something that will really push
1: it forward. I think taking that to a new level. I mean, personally, I think that's because for the last two decades, you know, we've seen the advent of digital production, and so that's, prog- that's 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 progressed to where we are now, which is where you can get a decent replication of pretty much any sound you can think of just on your laptop. So, if you look at the Beatles and the Beach Boys. They wouldn't have been the Beatles and the Beach Boys if it wasn't for George Martin and Brian Wilson on production and how they used the mixing desk as the final instrument, as it were.
0: It's like they, they were the building blocks of modern pop, isn't it? They were the greatest evolution. Before that, there was a lot of techniques that were quite basic and they really like pushed the boundaries, and I don't think pop has had that since.
1: It was kind of where like, music changed from being just live recordings to a record being something completely different it's own individual thing but yeah i mean obviously nowadays if everything's so easy to achieve with just the click of a button maybe that's what i personally think that's why so many people complain about music sounding the same it's lacking soul lacking creativity because there's no challenge and it's through that challenge that you're making new shit you're discovering you're discovering new stuff
0: So the first album we're going to discuss is Dua Liper Future Nostalgia.
1: Time, tongue, what was your initial experience with Dua Lipa? So before this album, I always thought she was a, just a good pop artist, you know. And she is at the, the better end of kind of the mainstream pop spectrum. Um, I hadn't listened to her first album in full, but... I did like certain songs, and even on Smashes like New Rules, the production just made it interesting to listen to for me.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'd not really heard her albums, but I knew of her hits, and I knew of her. never really appealed to me, but that kind of made this album more of a pleasant surprise.
1: How did you find it like, differing from your initial listen versus when you started listening to it a few more times?
0: Yeah, I think it... It took me a second to get used to her voice and get into... Because I don't listen to a lot of pop albums. So Mm. you have to get into that mindset, don't you? Yeah, 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 definitely. It's hip-hop mainly that I listen to. It's a very different vibe. So, Mm. But once you get into it, it's great.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, on initial listen, um, like you, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much. So it was was a very pleasant surprise. Um, I think I respected it as a pop album... And you know, at the end of the day, it's just good listening, and I've not got much to complain about. Um, I think it flowed as an album. It ticked the boxes for commercial music, but it still preserved originality and musicality. Hundred percent. The first track, Future Nostalgia,
0: it dunks you straight into that sound, doesn't it? it just slaps you in the face with it. I know you're dying to feel- it's, it's just such a brilliant introduction straight in there got the keys coming in high energy throughout
1: cannot fault it yeah I think it's interesting what you said because there's a massive production focus all over this album and this song especially is interesting because the role of the producer is becoming more widely appreciated by the consumer and so on this track The song's producer, Jeff Basker, was name dropped in a line. And that line is, I know you like this beat because Jeff's been doing the damn thing. Just a quick note as well. He's worked with Kanye. He did some stuff on Twisted Fantasy as well. Um, He's done Jay-Z in the game. He's done Beyonce. And then he's done some of the really poppy stuff like Bruno Mars, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran. Wow, sounds like he's done everyone. The production is, is, is is what makes this record. And it's even alluded to in the title future nostalgia. It's it's a new sound in today's pop context, yet it's reminiscent of what was once everywhere.
0: I think some of Dua Lipa's vocals on here took me a second to get used to this. I got some Taylor Swift vibes with her vocals, and it's really the production for me that stands out here. Mm. But once I got used to Dua Lipa... It just flows. Mm. Absolutely love it. Really, really good. So the next track I want to go on to is Levitating. I absolutely love mm, this track. I think it's my favourite in the whole album. It's just a really good pop song. The the funky bass is in there. Mm-hmm. The, they've got this sample that... It, it It's weird. It kind of feels like it gets wider as the track goes on. Mm. Wider and then more mono as, as it develops. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I just I don't have enough good stuff to say about this. It's, yeah. There's, there's nothing bad to say about it, really. I mean, <laughs> I think yeah. it's... For me, one of the things I really like about this track is it's a very clever eclectic blend of styles um, an example of that is you can hear a lot of funk influences in the instrumentation 100 this isn't a funk track but it's an it's, it's an example of a growing trend that's been incorporated that people will like the sound of if you look at artists like bruno mars with albums like 24k magic daft punk with random access memories these made this style huge Hel- Helped by singles that were as big as 24k magic and get lucky so when people talk about blurring genre lines this is what they mean because in here we've got some sparkly shimmery pop we got disco we got funk we got trap and it's it's a very colorful stylistic melting pot
0: yeah so we're talking a lot about the production but what did you think of the lyrics because for me if i tuned into them it usually took away more
1: from what it added the lyrics weren't really kind of what I was... They, they, they didn't really grab me. If you, I think The Weeknd, um, After Hours, that's an example of a pop album with incredible songwriting. So we'll come onto to that more when we, when, when, when we talk about it. But for me, I mean, the only time the lyrics really stood out to me was on my least favorite track in the album, which was Good <laughs> In Bed, just because I found them so in grating i mean what what did you think about that song
0: uh yeah i think we should really show people and by reading (laughs) an excerpt from that let's do it so the chorus goes i know it's really bad 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 (laughs) messing with my head 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 we drive each other mad 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 but baby that's what makes us good in bed
1: beautiful man (laughs) really really touches your soul you know and the, the thing is, with these pop albums, there's a team of writers, isn't there? Do you, do you know something about that, right? I was having a look at the credits for this, and behind the song Cool, which has seven writers, this song has the most writing credits <laughs> on the entire album. It's got six writers. No way. More than any of the <laughs> other songs, man. It took six people to write yeah, that Yeah, It chorus. was the same with, um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's the same with so many pop songs. To get the right choice of words, you know to make it sound that fucking stupid to appeal to more people it, it there's it, there's there's a level of skill and teamwork that goes into making something it's engineered cringe it's like <laughs> they they <laughs> yeah. they know what they're
0: going for cuz there's so many of them it's it's professionally crafted it's that it's
1: so repetitive yeah. and grating like you said it's, there there are some really really bad lines there as well like there's there's one which is like Damn, we not nah to fuck. But like she drams, <laughs> she drags the fuck on for so long, and it's just so, it's just not clever. Um, track three on this album, cool. Th- that's that's also a sex song, but it's a lot, it's a lot more cleverly written. Like this song, it's got there's no there's no metaphors, clever devices, double entendres, all of that. Yeah. When I when I heard this song for the first time, I thought this was made to be a TikTok song. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know Julipa, but I know my sister and she's reported back to me that these songs are blowing up on TikTok <laughs> so oh god damn it knew it going back to Cool mm. I really like how it's got this build up and you expect a really big chorus is going to come after it and it kind of subverts that kind of dips down and I just love the vocals in that it's it's weird we're, do, we're talking about the production a lot but in I think that's a really good example of vocals being on point and I, th- I think you have to give Julie some mm. credit like the, the vocals in here are really yeah, good pop yeah, yeah, vocals, but it's it's the production that just takes it to that
1: level. You've got that kind of, that fat moogie bass. You've got all the, you've got the synths in here. It's a great use of texture um, and how they've, how they've filled all the space. Close the track. What was your opinions on that? <sighs>
0: boys will be boys. I think
1: that was like... I feel like it was an obligatory kind of... Feminist song. I feel I feel like they they just put it in there because they felt they had to. And I mean, it's obviously we're not the target audience for for this kind of stuff. But it, it's just it's just a weak album closer, man. Like even even if you yeah. like completely disregard the lyrics, like just sonically, like where's where's the adventure of the first nine tracks? You know, where's, there's 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 no big synths, there's no adventurous musical devices. It's all just it's just a bit dead. It doesn't feel like there's there's any soul to it, and there's some really cringe lines in there as well. Again, like the, the mansplain <laughs> line um, where she's like, "Oh yeah, that was sarcasm. In case you need me to mansplain, I'm like just n- n- why."
0: Why? I mean, I, th- I think it was intentional mm. that the production wants to give more space to Dua Lipa yeah. and let her shine, and yeah. it kind of matches the, the vibe of the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's a feminist anthem. Um, but I think they missed the opportunity to get a female producer in it. Yeah, oh, well, that's it, a good point, actually. Yeah. it, but it was, it was a male producer. Yeah. They could have gone further with the concept. I still think it could have been a stronger closer, and they, they could have done more to take that yeah. concept and. And run with it really. But
1: don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm all for feminism and all of that. But I just feel like it could have been done so much so so much so much more cleverly. Like it could have been a much bolder statement as opposed to just yeah. like just this, these wishy washy lyrics. One track on here called Love Again. And that is my favourite track on this album. <laughs> so it's grown on me a bit, but
0: I can't place it as one of my favourites. I heard the first 30 seconds and they are amazing. Like, they're brilliant. You've got the strings coming in and then that goes into this weird sample and I, I love how it, how it flows. But then after that 30 seconds, I expected some really, mm. like, massive shit to come in and, like, they're doing crazy things with these strings and the samples. And it kind of let me down. It went to Fair this, enough. like, quite simple beat and started this song... And they they use the sample mm. in bits and the strings in bits. But I feel like if you gave that to yeah. like a more creative producer, I don't know who did this one, but if you gave that to someone else, like give it to me. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll make a banger out of this.
1: <laughs> give it to the little playing field.
0: Yeah. I just, I expected more from those sounds. I'd like, there was a song in my head that I wanted to hear from those samples. And maybe I will just rip them and make a song out of it. But maybe, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Interesting to here yeah, yeah
0: that's why i think may, maybe my my perception of the song is colored because mm. of that but um yeah i wanted more from
1: fair enough i mean personally i i loved it i thought it was i thought it was a brilliant piece of music you've got that that 20 second 23 second string intro and it just and then and then this sample just comes out of nowhere and it just hits you and it really it really caught me off guard the first time i heard it because i recognized the sample mm. and i was like oh shit like because i for me when i listened to it for the first time i really wanted to see where the strings were going you know this i wasn't expecting to hear a, a string section at the start of a jua track um so, yeah. so 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 that really piqued my interest
0: but, but in hindsight I don't think they added to that song having them play out at the start. I think if they had taken that and done that with a different song, it would have been a lot better. Particularly with this song, I don't feel it added to it.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. Um, I'll I'll come into the strings in a sec, um, but I do just want to talk about the sample first of all. The main sample, that da, 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 that 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 phrase. Yep. that samples a song called Your Woman by a group called Whitetown, and that was from 1997. And that song samples a song called My Woman by a guy called Al Bowley, which was released in 1932. And as if that wasn't enough, My Woman by Al (laughs) Bowley is a cover of a song called My Woman released by a guy called Bing Crosby in 1932 as well. And as if that's not enough... The White Town version, oh you keep yeah, coming, yeah, it's it's a big sample chain. But the White Town version was also sampled by Naughty Boy in his song with Wiley and Emily Sande, "Never Be Your Woman." Very nice. In terms of sample choice, it's an homage to UK pop culture. It's almost like it's almost like a pop sandwich because it starts and ends with this really lush string arrangement. That's how it ends as well, and in the middle you've got your your typical pop elements and so in a way it's it's the least poppy track on the album in terms of musical devices and structure and when you get to the end of the track it's everything's going on I think the arrangement throughout is incredibly well written and it does a lot for the harmonics and the texture of the track they they, as as I say they, they build as the track progresses and you've You've got a few little intricacies here and there as well. One of my favourites being, if you go to 156, there's a little call and response with uh, where she says, God damn, and the strings, they mirror that phrase. They go, da, da, after she says, God damn. And it's... It, it'll make more sense if you listen to it um, with that in mind, but I just think it's, it's a really, really well-written, well-structured track, and honestly... Without a doubt, my favourite on the album.
0: Fair enough, man. All I'm saying is if you gave that 30 seconds to LP, some crazy shit would happen.
1: (laughs) Oh, mate, imagine if you gave LP just full orchestra. (laughs) One of the the singles of this album, Break My Heart, Um, the bass line in that, which is the the main driving point of the song, it's the same bass line from the song I Need You Tonight. By in excess.
0: Oh yeah, it's that dun
1: dun dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I I love um the transitions in mm. that song and like when the beat cuts out mm. and then just just how she flows with the sample.
1: They do that very, very, very well. It's good fucking pop music. That's what it is.
0: I think for me this is Probably one of the best pop albums I've heard in a Mm, long time. Me too. And I was really pleasantly surprised Mm. with it. There's some bits that detract from it. So it's, it's taking the classic 80s sounds and modernizing it. And I think in places it does that too much, like we're talking about Good and Bad, the chorus in there, I think there's places where it falls into classic pop eras that are grating and horrible. But
1: on the whole, really enjoyed it. On repeated listens, I start to pick up the different production elements, first off. But I was also noticing a lot of the typical pop features and themes that remain there to sell the record. For example, the last two tracks, they don't feel like filler, and they're still well-made pop tracks. I mean, personally, I didn't like them, and they, they were intended to be the more typical safe pop songs that will bring in plays. While I personally would have liked A Stronger end to the Album... I can see why they're there. The aim, going back to the album title as well, is was to use that nostalgic sound, but without it sounding dated. And I just want to say, as you were, because you mentioned this in Love Again, um, I want to say that a particular instrument that plays a big role in this album is, in fact, the string sections. They're they're everywhere. So it takes a lot of skill and a good arranger to be able to incorporate an ensemble into a really busy piece of music, which a lot of the higher-end pop is, and fill that space and add that depth without cluttering the song. And I think they achieved that really well throughout this album.
0: Yeah, and I hope that's something that catches on in the future, because I I saw Kano live not too long ago, and he performs with this massive orchestra and horns and everything. I'd love to see Pop acts doing that more. It, It was amazing seeing a grime artist do that, but just... Everyone should have an orchestra. It should just be a thing. They they, they just bring out out the musicality. So we're going off topic now. I think let's get back to Dua So for me, my favorite tracks were Future Nostalgia, Don't Start Now, Levitating and Break My Heart.
1: I'm going to say mine were Love Again, Levitating and Future Nostalgia.
0: Overall, I think this was a great album. Loved it to bits. But there was just a few things that took away from it. That we delved more into the the pop tropes and mm. that kind of took it took away from it. So for me, it's going to be a
1: seven out of ten. You know what? I originally gave it an eight, but the last two tracks are just that they, they, they did they just really kind of. Just, they just they just feel disappointing. They just feel more more of a letdown each time I listen to the album. So I'm I'm gonna I'm, for that reason I'm gonna have to give it a seven out of ten as well. In agreement. Yep, yep.
0: There we have it. Seven out of ten, both of us.
1: It will be it'll be interesting to see what impact it's gonna have on albums to come, I think. This is one of the trends I'd love to see catch on. How will it stand the test of time? How is it gonna influence the future releases? Will it be seen as a seminal album? Check it. Out.
0: The our next segment is technique of the week so this is gonna consist of seth coming up with a technique that he's thought of to make music yeah. and yeah i'm gonna try and see if there's any good ideas that we can salvage <laughs> from this right yes <laughs> it's usually when you're high you think of these so let's let's see, <laughs> see how this goes
1: we'll, we'll keep it kind of simple this week um because it's the first one you know ease into it but if you need some fresh sounds for your music and you also need some motivation to get in shape and stay healthy. Look no further than the gym, right? So if just just walk around with with a mic, so you can. I mean, most of the time I just use my voice memos. Sometimes I use a Zoom H1, which is a little handheld stereo mic. Um, but that's only if I'm like getting really.
0: So so let me let really me get this straight it. So people are working out. They're doing their weights. They're. they're... On, on the machines, <laughs> you're walking up to them saying, excuse me, miss, could you just, yeah, just move I mean, out of the way? I'm, all right. Pointing your, your microphone. I mean, look,
1: yes, I do get a bit self-conscious sometimes, you know, walking around with a microphone in the gym. <laughs> it's do, do people stare at you? It's a bit more awkward when it's a bit packed out. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you just got to do it for the music. Fair enough, I guess. I was getting sounds. It's the gym is a gold mine. Um, I find that a classic place to start is when you finish doing some some squats or, or your bench your, your, or your deadlifts or whatever, and you put in the <laughs> weights back. You clank the weights back on the rack, extra loud, so that you get a big, big, big clank, right, from from your big from your big weights because because you're all big and strong. You know, I can
0: tell people at the gym hate you. <laughs>
1: Nah, man. Nah, He's nah, just nah, nah, standing nah. there, dropping the weights down. Generally, it's quite like discreet. I try and just look around, see if anyone's looking, and it's, just, it's more of a like, just, just to slide in, just get my phone <laughs> out, you know, just a quick <laughs> clink, and then put it away. No one saw. Okay, so you um, do you did, you did it discreetly. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. You're not you're not being obnoxious and, nah, and pissing people off. Seriously though, like the, the classic is when you're clanking those weights, you you take that sound, you chop it up, you drench it in some big, long-ass reverb, you know, and it's, for me personally, it's one of my favourite snare sounds. I know the sound. I'm just imagining you
0: with a mic doing this over and over again, just people uh, staring man. at you, getting pissed off. It sounds off. good. It sounds they good. want to use the weights, but you're just you're just standing there clanking them, trying to get the perfect sound. <laughs> So, if you're looking for some new interesting drum sounds, walk around the gym with a microphone like a twat. Sounds cool. Put it in a track. I, I, I highly recommend doing it. Ow, 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 ow. So the next album that we're going to discuss is The Weeknd, After Hours. What was your experience with The Weekend? Because I know you were pretty hyped for this
1: one. Going into this album, he was an artist whose music I've always enjoyed, but I would never listened to any of his projects in full. Maybe... I saw him more as a pop artist around the type of beauty behind the madness but I don't remember ever disliking his work and as I was discovering the more contemporary R&B stuff when I was a teenager I listened to Trilogy quite a lot. There wasn't really any other R&B of a similar vein that I could get into, it was pretty much just The Weeknd that I liked. So I remember hearing Blinding Lights when it came out and that grabbed me and really got me into like researching the whole 80s comeback kind of thing set aside all of the content of the song is six minutes yeah
0: now you you get albums of like long albums of two minute tracks and that seems to
1: be the trend so that was definitely
0: something that threw me off as well
1: especially considering that is the longest track on the album i think it's a pretty bold statement regarding the musicality of this record so based off what i already knew from his music as well as the three singles i was i was very intrigued to hear what this album was going to sound like
0: nice well with me it was slightly different i'd listened to his big hits and usually heard them way too much <laughs> um they yeah they he gets overdone on the radio a lot and i think that's what put me off going further into his albums and really listening to him properly. But, you know, I, I did like what I had heard. Um, so I kind of went into this blind, uh, I knew Blinding Lights. That was a pretty good pop song and we'll talk about it more later. But
1: um, yeah, pleasantly surprised by this album as well. Another thing before we start going into the individual tracks is the credits on this thing are, it's it's quite an interesting mix mm. of of names. For example, you have got a guy called Frank Dukes on the album opener, Alone Again. And he basically what he does is as far as I know, he kind of makes a lot of the samples that the likes of Kanye use. So oh, he's wow. his his sound is all over the life of Pablo, for example. Um and he's he's quite a big name in the, the songwriting uh production side of things. But who else we got? We got we got Metro Boomin on a few tracks, track six oh, to yes. eight um track 14 we've got kevin parker who's obviously tame impala who else? you've got elton john who oh who wow. i missed that one well, who missed did see. track four scared to love s- scared to live um oh that's they they use the sample mm, he's not actually in it is he they interpolate um your song so he didn't like get involved in the process but elton john's writing and burn burn and top new the song they're, they're still in there. They're so they've been
0: doing that a lot recently. I know Lil Nas X had a Kurt Cobain credit on Panini, and that was just because they interpolated some some of the melodies. It wasn't even writing, and even though he's credited as a writer, it was it was some of the vocal melodies were used in Panini. And it, I don't think it sounded that similar, but he's there as a as a writer just in case. So for me, I thought the second half of this album was much stronger than the first half. I thought, I love the intro, but after that, I felt like the tracks didn't quite live up to the potential of it. And that second half was just so much better, in my opinion. But I know you really loved it on first listen.
1: Um, I listened to it for the first time, just, you know, just just in the kitchen, just kind of casually. And I was like, oh shit, I I need to give this a proper (laughs) listen because it is really 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 good i wasn't expecting the weekend to create something as 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 just rich as this so i was I, really really impressed hmm.
0: yeah i'd say the same I was, I was pleasantly surprised by both albums
1: i mean i was expecting something good um, based off the singles and his previous work but i wasn't expecting something this good so the first track alone again This is the track that hooks you straight away. That's that's important for an opener, right? Yes, yeah. it's, it's got to. That's when that's when you're sitting down, you know, you're getting in the zone of the album. I, I think it does that really well.
0: It's mm. the the synths. I mean, we're going to talk about the synths all over this record because they're so good. But here, it straight away they really shine. Mm. You got the the drums coming in, and there's there's so many little intricacies in the production mm. of this track, and like little xylophone sounding taps and things it really sets up the vibe of the album really well
1: this has um frank dukes on writing and production okay
0: what's he done before um
1: like the the samples that Anya and a lot of those guys kind of take and chop and use in their music
0: what so what do you think of the the track
1: i mean i think as i said it's the purpose of the opener is to drag you in it needs to set the scene of the album and yep. it does that. Yeah,
0: I think that that's what it does. The description of this track sets the scene.
1: It includes a bit of everything sonically. It's like it's like a tease of what's to come for the following thirteen tracks. Hundred percent. Sets the scene, sets the tone, sets the mood, and couldn't think of a better way to kick off the album.
0: For me, unfortunately, the second track I didn't oh. feel lived up to that. I think for me the second track, too late is my least favorite on the Welcome. album. I quite liked it. Okay, you tell me why you liked it first and then I'm going to share I mean, on it afterwards.
1: <laughs> I think that it's not the strongest track on the album. I think for first of all, I can hear different influences on the drums. So I can hear some garagey kind of sounds with the the the, the rim, the syncopated hats and that 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 garagey feel. And obviously I can also hear trap and I think it is a nice way to kind of, I think it's, I think it's a great, I, I think it's, um, what do you think of too late? What do you think of track two too late? Okay. <laughs> you ready? So I'm ready. for me,
0: it's the vocals that really make the song great. In. Uh, it's in yeah, places. He's doing something in the chorus, isn't he? It sounds too high. He's doing this full, full set of vo- vocals and it's, It's to the point that they're ear-piercing. Like, honestly, this was like one of my intros to The weekend, just like, because it was so early Mm. on in in the album. Fair enough, yeah. I didn't know if if I could make it through with these vocals. And then after that, with the chorus, he's got this lisp, and it it sounds really weird. I don't know if he's putting it on. He's doing something weird with his voice. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they... It's just effects, the way it's produced. Mm. Everything about those vocals, I disliked um and Mm. i I don't think the production in the song i think the drums were all right but the general production doesn't live up to that intro i think that intro sent a really high bar and it comes crashing down with the second
1: track that's harsh i don't (laughs) know for me it's while it wasn't a standout track on the album Mm. you know it's i think it did quite a good job of carrying on the the kind of sonic vibe and you know Getting yeah, into the uh, flow I mean, of the album setting the scene. I think RMB really fans
0: will really like it, but it's just not for me.
1: Fair enough, that's completely fair enough, man.
0: But I did love the
1: third track. Oh, Hardest yeah. to love. That's that's a very important track uh, lyrically in terms of the story of the album because it's it's basically the weekend. It like bringing out his sincere side. You know, he's saying i know i'm the hardest lover. i know i'm not the, the best lover you know but you know we need each other i,
0: I definitely felt this was a step up lyrically from that Jewel mm. leap album like no contest oh, here um this
1: this is a story album this is yeah. this this album tells a story and it's fucking definitely it's harrowing man it's harrowing. we'll come on to like we'll, we'll, we'll come on to why in in a bit
0: but on, on this track particularly, you, we're, we're talking about garage influences. The breakbeat mm. on this, it, I loved it. That sold me on the track straight, straight away. It's almost
1: like a, like a drum and bass kind of. Yeah. It's the juxtaposition between those fast, drum, those fast drums and the slow synths and his, his crooning melodies. And his yeah. Song. It just works, you know?
0: I'd love to see a remix of a rapper on here. I think it would work really well. Oh, I've not thought of that, but. <laughs> damn. And I think that there was tracks where, if I wasn't feeling the vocals or the lyrics, the production stepped up and took its place in terms of keeping my interest. And I always felt there was something there for me. If I if it wasn't the production, it was the lyrics, and um, vice versa. You know, there is always yeah, yeah, yeah. something that's, to keep you interested there.
1: Maybe that's where Leap plucked a little bit. Yes, where she's she's kind of got all this great production, but if you ever did tune out of the production, it would be it's not really much going on lyrically that's that's special it's not the case here
0: speaking of that though i did feel so that there's three tracks on the album scared to live snow child and escape from la i wasn't really feeling those tracks i feel especially listening them to the first time and then in hindsight they are the weakest link in the album as soon as you get to heartless up until the interlude that's a solid like group of tracks that you've got there like I think that those three tracks I mentioned could be cut out, and this that would make like a much more enjoyable listen. I would say Dua Lipa actually had a stronger structure because there was no duds at the start. It's only until you get the, to those last two tracks.
1: I disagree, I think four, five, and six they're important for the themes and the lyrical progression that able that able you know not the weekend. Abel is trying to is trying to convey because this is a very introspective very personal album he's 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 yeah i mean scared to live for example you know this is is going on from that theme of sincerity from track three he genuinely wants the best for her and you know they're both sincere love songs and that's that i think is why this song interpolates your song by by, by elton john because yep. they're both very sincere love songs, where both artists are fully wearing their heart on their sleeves. And there is a lyric on here where he's saying, "I was singing notes while my boy is played with six keys." That took me a while to kind of work out. But bearing in mind the song's called Snowchild, to me that that kind of gives me the impression that he was focusing on the music. Well, his, his, his friends, circle, his circle, his six mates were playing mm. with six keys. So they're all doing coke. You know, they all had a, a a key of coke each. So, But he was singing notes. And it's basically saying that he had all this stuff around him. And drug misuse is another very, very common theme of this album. Yeah. Um, at the start of verse two, he goes, She liked my futuristic sounds in the new spaceship, which he says, like, and he's he's auto-tuned as he's saying that, and you've got some laser sounds going from the city. Yeah, yeah, and I he goes, remember that bit. Futuristic sex, giver, Philip K. Dick. Mm. <laughs> 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 that made me laugh, man. Yeah. Because like, verse two is just full of pop culture references. So he's got Jay-Z, yeah. Eminem, Patrick Swayze, Swayley. Yeah, there was that. a couple of M's these like, i shady, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I want to talk about Heartless. Yes. So... This I I heard it briefly before the album came out. I think it was a single, and it didn't really like impress me as much mm. as it did in the context of the album. Yeah, I found yeah, yeah. in here because then you realise it's taking all these kind of synthy noises and and a lot of the production techniques they already have, and mm. it puts it into these this this trap banger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a welcome change in in terms of the the progression
1: of the record. It was the first single that they released. And actually, I just want to say a little bit about that, um, because I think as, as an album, um, as, 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 in terms of consistency as an album, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And that even the choice of the singles and the order in which they released was, was carefully considered. So first off, we had Heartless, which is an irresistible, futuristic-sounding trap banger. And it explores his more, his more debaucherous side. And then you've got the second single, which is Blinding Lights. And he's he's exploring his more sensitive side. And how without the girl that the album's about, he's he's suffering. And he's essentially a lesser man. Then you've got the third single, which is the six-minute epic that is After Hours, which is one of my standout tracks. It ties in all the themes on this album. And on this track, he's condemning the, the able-heard on Heartless. So it's a very dark, honest track. And while that is a constant theme of the record, here he's, he's bearing his heart on his sleeve and he's, he's practically pleading for this girl to take him back. So when you listen to that track and you go back to Heartless, you know it was all a facade. Because the first lyric of Heartless is exact opposite of what he's saying in Blinding Lights and After Hours. Throughout the album, he's exploring these different sides to himself that create the problems that have inspired the story that we hear as the listener and going back to the choice of singles they've thought through what is going to summarize his his story in three songs so i'm very curious to see whether or not they release another single
0: so so speaking of the lyrics could you please break down for me Metro Boomin, turn this hoe into a mosh pit.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, speaks for itself, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: I wanted to hear an eloquent explanation of that
1: lyric. Well, Think of it as
0: a genius breakdown.
1: <laughs> Metro Boomin's beats, especially on this track, is very fast-paced, very energetic. You know, you convert that energy, you know, he's putting that energy into, into the hoe, and he's, he's turning the hoe <laughs> into a <the> mosh pit. <laughs> but yeah... Very, very, Brilliant. very, very, very clever lyric. That's going to be um, the clip we use from this podcast. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, but but back to Heartless. They're, so <clears throat> another idea about Heartless that I had. Um, right, tell me what you think of this, right? But basically the whole track is made to represent the phases of a drug experience. So when the track kind of takes off and his verse begins, it starts off all euphoric. You know, he's he's owning his problems. And it almost sounds triumphant and braggadocious. But then as the track progresses, the drugs start to wear off. You know, he starts becoming more down to earth, crashing back to reality and returning to a more self-deprecating mindset as the calm down starts to kick in. It's it's just a thought. Um, So I'd be curious to see whether or not they had that in mind during the, the writing process.
0: Okay, I'll have to listen to it again with that yeah, in yeah, mind, yeah. see if it... Do that in mind. But I can, I can kind of see what you're saying. Yeah. But for me, the next track, Faith, that's kind of where oh. the, the production oh. and the concept... Faith! It, like, plays off yes. each other so well. Oh, mate. I love that
1: track. That's my favourite track of the album by <laughs> Miles. Oh, man. That track, that track blew my fucking mind, man.
0: I I feel like there's so much to dig into there, because, like... Oh, there's so much, so much. The musicality and the concept are are matched equally, and, like, I just love both.
1: I think it's such a good track. 100%, man. That instrumental just speaks for itself. Oh, yeah. It's one of the biggest and best beats I've heard in a pop track for ages, and everything just sounds so full and and perfectly placed. It's it's one of those instrumentals that I just can't fault and i would not change a single thing about it nah and it's I metro it. as well and yeah. i would never have expected like that that, that, that this is metro in production mm. like if i heard the track and someone said guess the producer i would never in a million years say metro no,
0: and and also given the concept i wouldn't have thought he'd be the first one they'd pick for this
1: this thing is dark as fuck man its not it, is, isn't it? it, it the whole song is, is him <laughs> describing a relapse and his use of drugs as an escape mechanism. And he's he's very vivid in how he describes this. So he's got lines like, cut away the pain, and all my demons want to pull me to my grave.
0: It kind of reminded me of one of my favorite albums ever, Atrocity Exhibition. Ah, oh, man. Yes. There's a lot of themes that cross over here. Yeah. And although he's talking more about faith and, and mm. you know, he's relating it to that more. I still felt the same sort of energy, and mm. and hearing these themes of uh, against that like arpeggiating
1: mm. bass, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, it's such a good. I think the tracks track. like him saying he's lost faith in himself, like he's trying yeah. to be a better man, and it's it's leading him, it is it's leading on from from heartless, you know, as a continuation of his different clouded headspace as opposed to his more sober sincere self on tracks like hardest to love and scared to live Mm. of which many of those problems stem from this persona that he despises but he can't help um leading on from this regarding his sincerity as a man there is a very dark line in this where he says if i od i want you to od right beside me and then he goes on to detail how he wants to die with her. But this, like, this line, it reminded me of a Biggie song. Okay. It reminded, me, it reminded me of a line from the song Me and My Bitch off 1994's Ready to Die. And that's an album that you're probably going to hear me reference <laughs> a lot in this podcast. Because as far as the perfect rapper goes, like, I've, I've yet to hear anyone that uses the English language anywhere near as cleverly as Biggie. But, um, but anyway, no. I'm referring to the point where he goes, "We lie together, cry together. I swear to God, I hope we fucking die together." And the similarity between those two lines is that both artists are putting aside their tough, masculine image in favour of an honest portrayal of the true love held towards their respective bitches. <laughs> and sorry,
0: respective bitches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, continue. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. yeah. The weekend and biggies respected bitches. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's a really nice phasing out into blinding lights. Works so well. Mm. And that's what I was saying though. I feel like like all these tracks that we're mentioning now. They just go so much harder than the ones prior to Heartless. Oh,
1: yeah. I think these are these are definitely the best tracks on the album, but I yeah. think the, the, the previous tracks are necessary for setting the scene. Um, okay, I get you. I, I just wish that it could be more consistent. And yeah, could, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair like, enough. Like,
0: if it was all this level, this would be a 10 out of 10. Fair enough, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Me too, I think
0: but moving um, on from that let's go into blinding lights because this is such a good pop song like i've i've heard it played to death and it still holds up just the musicality of it and everything it's so good it's
1: max martin on production again i think um when we were talking about uh the sounds of the 80s being reinvented more than being recycled yep. I think this is, this is a great example of that because obviously you've, you've got this the, the, the use of instruments such as the Juno, you know, the melody and the chorus, the arps, all of that but, but it's, in, it's, it's in a modern context so it, sounds, it still sounds new it sounds fresh and it's my favourite pop smash in recent memory man Honestly. I do
0: feel like, so we talked about Dua Lipa using them, and I do feel like she was modernising the 80s, but this does more to push it forward and take those sounds. This is trying to create something new,
1: I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: That was relying a bit more on nostalgia, as the name suggests. Mm. There were a lot of callbacks to the 80s and references. I think this, this isn't really doing that as much. It's more so mm. looking forward and utilizing those Just trying to influences make a fresh sound and yeah, yeah making something
1: fresh definitely I mean lyrically as well it's it's a contrast to the previous two tracks you know it sounds like he's sobered mm. up a bit um, he's trying to he's he's trying to improve he's trying to improve he's it's there's a lyric where he says he's he's going through withdrawals and I reckon that's in both the sense of drugs and missing the goal and it it also one of, the, one of the themes of this track is the escapism of the city at night. Which is obviously, it's a lot more, more real, it's a lot better, and it's a lot more healthy than escapism through drugs. Yeah. As far as Top Shelf Pop, this is it. Yeah, such a good single. Speaking of pop... I think that the next two tracks on the album, 10 and 11, In Your Eyes and Save Your Tears, to me, they are the poppiest tracks on the album. I swear, because
0: I really like In Your Eyes to the point it might be my favourite on the album. And I, I really? will say, lyrically, okay. I was kind of tuned out because I just love the music so much. It's, yeah. it's got the bass that's a bit funky and the synths, and then you've got that sax mm. solo coming in. It's, yeah. I think just musical wise it might be one of my favourites
1: so for me In Your Eyes was a, it was a bit of a grower um, I preferred it with with each listen um, as I started picking apart like the different the different synths the different grooves all the different intricacies and all of that I feel like this is definitely the poppiest sounding track up until this point point. and I think this this is definitely the most reminiscent of 80s pop and a lot of what Future Nostalgia was doing in regards to the instrumentation and stuff um I mean, but, 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 but yeah, big up to that brass section, man. Like the sax solo. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> it was um, a nice surprise. And then surprise. when it comes down, I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Like, that is really, really, really good. Yeah, tracks 9, 10, 11. That's, that, that, for me, is the big pop one. Um, and then we go into track 11, Save Your Tears, which initially was my least favorite. And with, with a gun to my head, if I, to, if I had to choose the least favorite, it would be this one. Um, And yeah It's the same production team As Blinding Lights And In Your Eyes Which is Max Martin Oscar Holter, And The Weeknd Um, So so what it's done Really well here With the kind of pop sounds Is what Dua Lipa Failed to do When finishing up Future Nostalgia Mm. Which is having that 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 pop influence That pop sound That's going to bring in All the sales But having it tie into The theme of the album And the sound of the album. yeah. And the thing, while tracks 10 and 11 might be the poppiest, they don't stray. They don't sound out of place. I think that's very, very hard to achieve.
0: Again, Save Your Tears. I I didn't dislike it. I think it's pretty inoffensive in terms of the
1: album. Mm. I think it's, it's a solid tune. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's a good song at the end of the day.
0: For me the interludes it kind of goes back to the start of the album where i wasn't really feeling it and it's it's kind of that level again
1: that's the Tame parlor produced one yeah
0: that surprised me when you told me that i wouldn't have guessed that before
1: yeah i mean i didn't pick up on it on first listen but then i found out it was kevin parker on and i hit and i listened i was like okay yeah that's some pretty classic Tame parlor production because you've, you've got it starting with the organ you got that thin but spacey piano rhythm You've got you got the chops, you've got the synths, you've got the shitload of reverb, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um you got you've got his classic punchy drum sound, you've got you got the triangle in there, and you there's there's so there's 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 just there's there's a lot going on for a very simple track. Um
0: It definitely it's got a very cinematic feel, hasn't it? Throughout it's it's kind of it reminds me of like Good Kid Mad City in that if it, it feels like it's a movie. Whereas mm. that,
1: that f- exactly like this track this track's an interlude yeah right.
0: whereas that felt like a story about you know Kendrick Lamar as a kid and growing up this mm. is very much like big and cinematic it's showcasing his inner troubles right we're going on a bit let's go on to after hours
1: oh behind faith this is my favourite
0: so I'll tell you straight away after hours I, like I respect what you said about it being a single but for me. I don't know, maybe I need to listen to it more times, but it wasn't as memorable as some of the other tracks on here. I think it's it's not a bad track by any means, but I think maybe
1: maybe it hasn't clicked with me yet. It might be a grow. I always liked the track since I first heard it. It's, it was, it's the track that got me interested in the album. Right. And, mate, don't get me started on this instrumental. Like it, again, it speaks for itself and it, it delivers. You've got all those synths playing, the different rhythms and phrases, the pitched-down ad-libs, the glitchy production elements heard in some of the previous tracks. And it's just building and building and building. And it's all there to tease the listener as to what's going to come. And then the drums come in. And the thing, with, the, thing, the thing with these drums, why they're so well done, is that you see them coming, but it doesn't make them predictable. Mm. Like Ultimately, it's, it's, it's quite a simple beat but they just knock so fucking hard. And it's the driving, pulsing rhythm that's been teased throughout the rest of the track. And it feels like just the epic beat that we've been waiting for all album. It just sounds so fucking fat. Man. <laughs> like it, It's, yeah, honestly, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant track. Cool. Uh, I love it. So, Everything about it. Six minute epic. Brilliant.
0: The final track, Until I Bleed Out, I feel like it could have gone out with a bigger bang.
1: Couldn't disagree more.
0: I think it, it's interesting, but it's the closer, man. It's like... like the, There's so much interesting, massive shit on this album that this was a bit of a disappointing closer, and I think that speaks to the quality of some of the other tracks.
1: You're shaking your head. I massively, massively disagree. Go on. All right tell you why so i wanted to shout this one out because i think that any great album needs a grand conclusion and obviously that's another area that i felt really let down by with future nostalgia this is it's the final chapter in the emotional roller coaster that he's he's taken us on right up until this point so while on after hours there was a bit of hope and he was pleading to the girl to take him back This is the point at which he's truly given up. But to the extent that he's terrified, he's going to end it all. And I feel like the choice of words that he uses throughout this track and the picture he's painting throughout, such as the repeated use of cutting imagery, just makes the whole song very graphic and it shows the listener the extent of kind of the personal hell that he's in. He sounds desperate and he he just wants it to end. An example of a particularly powerful line in this is his reference to Odeon. So obviously, as with Faith especially, drug abuse has played a really important role throughout many of the tracks on this album. Yeah. And he's always alluded to it being an escape mechanism. But now, he's straight up saying that he's, com- he's contemplating overdosing to achieve death, which is, of course, the ultimate escape from anything. Mm. He's saying that instead of touching the sky or to just get high. He he wants to feel the ground when he's coming down. So that ties into how he doesn't want to do anything, not even drugs. You know, he doesn't want to do anything that involves being alive aside from being with this woman. Yeah. But this is all because he's, he's just lost all the hope all, all, all hope at all, at any hope at all. And as the track progresses, you you start to get the impression that he is actually trying to kill himself. You know, mm. if you if 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 you if you know if you if you notice how he goes from till I'm bleeding out to because I'm bleeding out, yeah, that suggests that the implication of him cutting and killing himself is becoming a reality, and the production, I think, complements this beautifully, man. Again, this is Metro Boomin. yeah, um, and it's it's a very colourful piece of music, and I just really want to give a special mention to the Juno again. <laughs> um, if you don't know what Juno sounds like, listen to this track and especially listen out for the the kind of synth lead phrases going from ear to ear, kind of towards the, the, the middle and the end um, of the track. But I mean, yeah, to, to me, it sounds like they've thought about how it suits the lyrical themes and goes with the story. I think one of the really, really clever things about this track is it keeps feeling like it's going to drop out, but it never truly does until it ends on those last couple of single glitchy notes for like the last yeah. few seconds or so. And it that perfectly complements everything Abel's insinuating about taking his own life. You know, the whole "Willie won't he kind of questions yeah. the listeners ask him. You know, you hope he's going to pull through and you're saying, don't do it, don't do it. But neither him nor the instrumental ever give you a straight answer. Mm. So it's adding that element of mystery to kind of conclude the album. And I think it's a very harrowing kind of gut punch of a conclusion to the record. And it's far from a happy ending. I'm personally glad this level of storytelling and bleakness and darkness has made it to number one. This was a number one album. Obviously, this isn't the song that was made to do commercially well, but I just love how it's bringing this level of pain and just bleak pessimism to an otherwise overly superficial and fake happy sector of the music industry.
0: Uh, you put that really well, man. Like, I think you've sold me on the song yes. again. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to go listen, back with um, that, that in context in mind. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Is I, honestly, that, you, you did that really well. I, I think Thanks, I'm going to have to go back, listen to it. And Definitely, give it another go. Yeah. Right, so should we wrap up now? Final thoughts. Yes. My favourite tracks... We're Alone Again, Hardest to Love, Heartless, Faith, Blinding Lights, and In Your Eyes.
1: Mine were Faith, After Hours, and Until I Beat up. Lo- but honestly, I don't think there's a bad track on this album. They're, they're, they're all brilliant. But those are my three standout for ones.
0: To me, Too Late is the the one that stands out as, yeah, I, I didn't feel that track. And everything nah, else fair enough, fair is enough. fine. Or amazing. <laughs> and it's just that one track.
1: What are your overall thoughts overall as thoughts? an album?
0: So, as I as mentioned... A, as, as a piece of art. Amazing intro. Suddenly dips off. And then halfway through, bam, it's amazing for like... How many tracks? There's at least five tracks of pure gold here.
1: And then a decent ending. What about you? Three hours. From a lyrical standpoint we have a very introspective story and especially with with repeated listens you'll notice the common themes and the references to other tracks throughout the album they're telling the story of not the weekend of abel it's it's, it's an insight into his life yeah but if the music is just an accompaniment and it feels like an afterthought it isn't going to feel like a full body of work no yeah you, you need something that sounds consistent all the way through and makes you think about The sonic side of the album and how it feels and carries from start to finish. Otherwise, it's just not going to be a cohesive record.
0: No, I I definitely felt that. Like if you had told me this was one producer, I could believe that as well because it's
1: just so definitely, definitely cohesive. Like you said,
0: it's it like harkens back to when we had bands and Mm. like bands had a sound definitely you don't get that anymore because it's producers sending off beats to rappers that's exactly exactly, (laughs) exactly how it goes
1: down and people are going to be more inclined to see it as a collection of songs that they will more than likely end up just skipping through after a few listens and as we mentioned earlier you know another example of this is metro Boomin, who produced and wrote four of the tracks in this album i think that a lot of people would just associate his name with the trap sounds of that the likes of Future, Young Thug, Migos, all those and, guys. And you've got bits of that, that here, but yeah. he
0: goes so much further and like really shows his versatility. Exactly,
1: exactly. It's, it, it shows his, his versatility as a musician because um, cause his tracks on this record aren't just his trap style that we have no, yeah. come we, to we, know We talked love, about Faith. Know, or hate, I know. would not yeah.
0: expect him to have produced that or even be con- exactly. considered for the producer, the role in that.
1: Is exactly exactly. I think the the production team have have worked with him on using his sound yep. and building around it for a more eclectic listening experience that ties in with the album. His his style does come through on some tracks more than others, so like Heartless and Escape from LA. But yeah, like you said, for example, on Faith, I would never have guessed that's the, that was Metro and production. Mm.
0: So. I think it's time to wrap up now. We've gone on for a long time. Cool. I don't know how this is going to work out in the edit,
1: but... Oh, shit. We're nearly on 160 minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's fine. No one's listening at this point. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's dropped off. Okay. So the (laughs) score
1: for anyone who is still here, what are you thinking on this album? it is more a case of of thinking about why it wouldn't be a 10 out of 10 as opposed to why it would be a 10 out of 10 i think right i think i would i'm inclined to give it a 9 a very high 9 high 9 strong 9 a high 9 a very a very strong 9 borderlining on 10 okay uh, cuz i i just can't find fault the only thing that like if i was going to nitpick um would be that tracks 10 and 11 wouldn't sound as poppy as they do if um the weekend had full creative control over his album but i I really really can't complain because i don't think they detract from the album Mm. i think they fit really well i think they're very cleverly done and it's it's using the advantages of being on a major and having having all these contacts and all this all this like a budget of that level, I'm going to give it a nine and a half. And nine and a half. We'll see if that drops. We'll see if that goes up. Ask 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 me in a year's time. Okay. Well, I can tell this is it's an album you really love and
0: you really are really like. I and... wasn't
1: expecting to like it to like this as much, man. I don't normally listen to R and B kind of stuff. This this really blew so me away. Is,
0: is it an album of the year contender for you? Potentially, we'll see what. Well, whoa. Run the jewels 4. yeah.
1: <laughs> but
0: <as laughs> right now, in terms of albums but... that have come out this year so far, where would you place this?
1: Nah, this this takes it for me, man. This,
0: this number one for you.
1: It's, it's gonna take some beating. Fair it's gonna enough. take some beating. Well, I didn't like. How about it? you? What's your school? I didn't
0: like it quite that much. Like, it's a really great album, but I think maybe I think it'll grow on me. But for me, it's just the the first half of the album. I wish was more consistent with the second half. Because if it was, I'd have to give this a 10 out of 10. But it's just that Fair enough, first yeah. half. And I think that takes it down to an 8 out of 10 for me.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah, this is going to be another one like like with Dua Lipa where the question is, is it going to stand the test of time? Yeah. 100%. how How is it going to be regarded in 20 years' time? How is it going to affect releases that are coming out soon? And just talking with and you, you've
0: like... Yeah showcased a lot more than i i actually picked up listening to the album and i think yeah that, likewise man. that showcases just like how much has gone into this album and i think just exactly. that level of depth will keep it in people's minds and will keep people Definitely. going back to it over and over again i don't think it's going to be an album that people forget in six months i really like how it's
1: bringing and this is a number one album but mm. like, that's, that, that's 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 <laughs> one of the main things for me is i've never been so into an album of this this kind of vein in mainstream music before yeah um, I, th- I think it's a massive massive step for popular music
0: 100 percent. It's, it's weird it's like in the gaming industry if you have a triple a they're called triple a games like the big releases like call of duty and all that if you get one yeah, of those yeah. that are really good it's very rare but it's amazing yeah definitely so i think we're gonna wrap up there Yep, next week cool. we've got Thundercat and Party Next Door, so I'm, I'm really looking mm. forward to Thundercat, and we don't have much experience with Party Next Door.
1: Yeah, neither of us ever listened to him,
0: <laughs> but it should be a good episode. Anything else to add?
1: I think we've covered it in the two and a half hours we've been we've been talking. <laughs> cool. This has been a very long recording.
0: We'll get better next time. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, if you are listening, thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) It's probably a difficult listener, isn't it? I don't know. Let's let's close it up now. Cool. Thanks. See See you next week, maybe. Bye.